Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, especially if you're a live viewer here on YouTube. We've got quite the show today. We're going to start off with clowns, the apparent new symbol of white supremacy. Then we're going to be moving into Candace Owens' mic drop moment in, in Congress. There was a recent white nationalist hearing she went to. Uh, then we have climate change apparently necessitates mass migration is this new narrative we're being fed. And then at around the 30 minute mark, we're going to get into the you know highlight of the show, the interview with Tommy Robinson. Just so you guys know, uh, there is a time difference, quite a sizable one between the East Coast and the UK. So this was uh, pre-recorded. So Tommy's not going to be in the chat. And like we've been doing, we're going to be saving mm -hmm. any and all super chat questions for the after show. Right. Uh, so feel free to ask us stuff, but we we won't be getting to them during the stream. Um, also, I keep for keep forgetting this, but if you if you enjoy this stream, if you like this, be sure to uh, you know drop comments, like, share. It really helps us out a lot. And if you want to support the show and be part of making this happen, you can go to blazetv.com forward slash Lauren mm -hmm. and not roaming anymore, and use the code Lauren to save money on your annual subscription. By the way, guys, just gonna put this out there right now. I I am sick tonight. Mm -hmm. I am yes. I am dying. Um, so if if I sound under the weather, I know one of the things that people often bring up uh, a criticism of my videos that's outside of my my politics is that I am low energy, which is true. That's kind of just my personality. But also today, I I am sick and uh, I I forgot to change the sh the sign. We noticed at the last minute uh, from last week. That's on me. Uh, but thank you so much for. For bearing with me. And now yeah. I have an excuse for, I, I get people complaining that I do the nasal fry thing that mm. like the Kardashians yeah. do, which I kind of do, I admit, but now I can say my throat is sore. So you, you can't be mad at me. Um, all right. So clowns and white supremacy. I kind of lulled when I, I heard the story, but you know, it's, it's gaining steam. A couple of different people have made videos about it. So uh, we're, we're talking about it. Um, some of you guys may know who Jared Holt is. He is, I don't want to call him a journalist but he's a writer for right wing watch if you're not familiar with that it's a i think a literal soros funded organization that kind of uh seeks to i don't want to say smear people on the right but yeah essentially smear they're the ones if you've been following this channel for a while that alleged that uh what is it white supremacy has figured out how to become youtube famous i think is the headline they used and they put my picture in the thumbnail, uh, they also included people like Sargon of Akkad as being complicit to white nationalism. Anyway, so th it's this guy, this Jared Holt. Uh, his latest piece for Right Wing Watch is apparently, we can bring up the insert, talking about how uh, Honk Honk or Honkler, the Pepe clown, is now has now been adopted by white nationalists as their next racist symbol. Yes, yeah, seriously. And we're going we're gonna to read a, a little excerpt from this, which is the... We want to go to the uh, the next insert, um, and keep in mind, guys. This 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 is what he's paid to write about. This is like his profession. He's a <laughs> uh, he's made money for this. Uh, okay, there we go. The clown render of Pepe the Frog. He writes, which know your meme researchers. And I think you brought this up that that's yes, actually that's a, know your meme researchers. That's a very endearing term for yeah. someone who works for Know Your Meme. Yeah, uh, have identified as being known as Honk Honk or Honkler. Began spreading across the internet last year. In recent months, the meme has gained a foothold in the far right and is bleeding into racist propaganda. Pepe the Frog, originally from the comic series Boys Club, was co-opted by an iteration of the white nationalist movement that emerged in 2015 and dubbed 
dubbed, dubbed itself the alt-right, a term created as part of a strategy to obscure the inherent racism and anti-Semitism of the movement in hopes of making its agenda more palatable among conservatives. Um, yeah, so once this came out, uh, a lot of people have been making fun uh, of Jared, as is usually the case. Uh, Tim Pool made a video about it, as did Paul Joseph Watson. And, um, you know, this is just like the milk thing that we've seen before or the Pepe thing or the OK, okay hand sign yeah. or the it's OK to be white thing. Um, so these little memeology 101 for you guys, if, if any normies are watching this, uh, all this stuff kind of starts on 4chan, which is a message board. And despite what people like Jared may think. Well, a specific area on 4chan. Yeah, too. poll. Yeah. Politically incorrect. Um, mm. Despite what. People like Jared might say 4chan is actually not exclusive. It's not the equivalent of Stormfront. It's a message board where there are white supremacists, but it's not exclusively right. white, white supremacists. So what happens is that Paul chooses the most innocuous things, milk, Pepe, uh, OK hand sign. Um, were they behind It's OK to be White as well? Yes, yes, yes they yeah. were. Uh, and... They start they start memeing those things, okay? And then once once the meme is born, or sometimes it's a, it's already a meme and they co-opt it, um, then they they begin linking it to white supremacy. And the way they do that is they'll like they'll tie in like hidden meanings with the OK hand sign. I think they said, oh, it's actually signed for like white pride. I think they try to do the like the peace sign actually means two genders. I don't know how successful that one was, but uh, uh, yeah. So they they try to tie it to white supremacy with. Pepe the Frog included uh, very spicy Pepe memes of Pepe doing some very unchristian things to uh, cer certain minority groups. Um, and they, they create threads, sometimes false threads, of, of how it's a signal for white supremacy and how they can use it to recognize each other and stuff like that. Um, the far left bite, each and every time the far left bite, and publicize how these innocuous things are apparently now racist, and they begin to start pointing out people using them as like, oh, see, they're, yeah. they're, it's a call sign for them. That's something that's, that's super confounding for me because what the left often encourages people to do is to reappropriate uh, words. Right. And here's a definition of that just in case you guys didn't know. Uh, reappropriation of certain terms and symbols in sociology and cultural studies. Reappropriation or reclamation is the cultural process by which a group reclaims uh, terms or artifacts that were previ previously used in a way disparaging of that group. So, you know, like, like they, they did with the N word. The N word is exactly what I'm talking about. There, yeah. like they encourage or yeah, they encourage or it queer. To be used like queer used yep. to be derogatory, but now the LGBT movement has kind of like co-opted it back mm. or whatever. So, isn't it kind of like an incongruent that they would also say, "Oh, the alt right use this term; it's theirs now." Well, like, yeah. Know. So that that's the thing. What's and I want to make this clip, this segment, to kind of explain to all the people who don't get it. Um, that the joke here, the reason why this is a joke, um, is not that actual racists aren't using clowns for memes because they are, and you can find like really awful honkler memes going mm -hmm. on right now that are just really not cool. Um, the, the actual joke is that the left thinks, not just the left, but you know, the far left thinks that now clowns are a symbol for white supremacy. That's the meme because clowns cannot be a symbol for white supremacy because everything is 
uses clowns and that's yeah. that's the joke that Paul and 4chan are, are trying to to goad out of people uh get them to try to ban or freak out over really innocuous things just because some racists do it yeah and i gotta say on a side note whatever clowns survived like the movie it and all the horror stuff that comes out of it now they must be so mad because now now they're not only are they like, of, associated with horror they're also nazis a lot of bad pr clowns yeah. currently mm-hmm. not a lot Rest of positive things uh coming out of the clown community uh, but yeah i mean i was on 4chan the other day just kind of looking over over threads that related to honkler and it's they they say explicitly that the, the reason why they're doing this is to provoke the far left into looking even more crazy and reactionary uh, than they already do by banning really innocuous things and actually i have uh, i have some quotes here we, we're not going to do an insert because i mean anything's anonymous on 4chan but you know this one user wrote we created the clown meme to give the fake media a face. The media reports lunacy and not the objective fact. The fact that they will report on this clown meme proves this point and will red pill the masses as the fact that they are reading about a cartoon frog clown sinks in. So <laughs> by, by making articles like Jared does and putting all this attention, trying to link these two things together, they're doing exactly what Paul wants. And I'm not saying that Paul is smarter than Jared, but in this case, they're definitely more self-aware than he is being. Uh, and people like the, the people who have made these videos, Tim Pool, PJW, they've tried to point this out to him. He's not hearing any of it. He uh, he tweeted out this little comic insert that we have in response to the criticism he, he's gotten for kind of like biting, uh, taking the bait uh, mm-hmm. of 4chan and Pool. And this this comic really does illustrate how much these people don't get it. So. Uh, you know, this one social justice looking person. Oh, God, the alt-right is adopting clown memes now? Haha, <laughs> you fell for it. Fell for what? We say something random is racist, make gas chamber jokes with it, and you cry, oh, that's racist now. Uh, just like Pepe drinking milk, okay, Jester? We do them ironically, and you get triggered. Uh, then Nazis and mass shooters do them for real, and then we do them more to intentionally obscure their new meaning. And so here's where you can see that they don't get it because the the SJW character says, so it ends up being racist for real. No, that's the point. Racist people doing something doesn't make that thing racist. Right. That's the point they're trying to make. That's that's the they don't the, get it. The age old argument that Hitler was a vegetarian, right? Right. So is, are all vegetarians therefore supporting? Yeah. The now Nazi we just ban it. Uh, I mean, you know, Hitler he drank water. Therefore, yeah, I don't know. Suspect. Yeah, Yeah, so they they really don't get it. Uh, They they play into this every time. And I I did a Twitter thread kind of explaining this to people. And I got all these, you know, these little trolls saying, oh, don't ruin it. Why are you explaining it to them? Because I feel bad. Okay, these are this is this guy's job. He gets paid for this. He's supposed to be an expert. He still doesn't get it. And honestly, I mean, like I the the more Machiavellian part of me does kind of appreciate them sh- the left showing their true colors, uh, but but at the same time it's like this has been going on for for quite a while, and I think that's it really illustrates how how often or sorry how widespread they believe white supremacy and white nationalism to be because uh, Natalie Wynn uh, contrapoints. Uh, uh, well, she runs the channel called ContraPoints, I think is how that works. But she's a creator on the left who I actually have a lot of respect for. She's she's very smart. She does do good in-depth videos about different topics like race, uh, Jordan Peterson, whatever. Um, she she tweeted something out, though, that I, I really don't think she 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 was right about. Uh, if we can bring up that insert. Um it, it's a picture. The, the picture there is of the Christchurch shooter when I think he was at his like initial hearing or something. Yeah. 
Face is blurred out, but he's, as you can see, doing the OK hand sign. And she says, many of us spent days and days in 2017 arguing that the OK hand sign and Pepe racist were real, that they were dangerous, that their irony was a ploy. We were told again and again that we were crazy, that it was all a joke. We just didn't understand memes. We'd succumb to paranoid delusions. And then as a little uh, carry on to that, she, she continues, no satisfaction now, just anger. No one listened. Okay, so... If you actually read the Christchurch Shooters Manifesto, um, you'll see that his goal was to create division among the left and the right. So mm. by using that OK hand sign, he's he's using it exactly like we're describing, exactly like the trolls do to try and provoke the left. And, you know, in response to that, some people may say, well, well what are we supposed to do then in right. response to this mass shooter doing the OK hand sign? It's like, why don't you be mad about the fact that he killed a bunch of people? Right. Y- you don't need to bring in the OK hand signal. Yeah, exactly. She's kind of implying that the OK hand sign and the Pepe are kind of a catalyst to him being a mass murderer. Right. Right? Like as if somehow if we listened to them, we could have prevented this guy from killing people by banning Pepe. You right. Know? And like that's that's what's so frustrating to me. I've had people say, well, then what are we supposed to do when all these like accounts use these symbols? What if they really are racist? It's like I'm pretty sure that the the best way to know if someone is a racist or white supremacist is when they say racist or white supremacist things that's generally the giveaway, right? Like, I mean, I've seen tons of, like, troll accounts online that are pretty open with their their extremist views. You don't have to look too hard for secret symbols, and that's what the left just really doesn't get about the right, um, is that it's common now for, you know, the gay community to put little rainbows in, in their, their bios and put, like, pronouns in, in their whatever so we, we yeah. can identify them. The right doesn't do that. So the fact that the right would even need a, a Pepe or a white supremacy sign to signal there, that's just, you guys just don't get it. You play into it time and time again. And uh, so how, how should the left be countering this? Um, let's take the example of the it's okay to be white meme. Um, so that was something they started. They, they chose the most innocuous sentence they could find. Mm. It's okay to be white. And, uh, you know, started posting that different places, like I think on campuses. Yes, yeah. The goal was to get uh, leftists mad. Um, some people say, like, what, what, what was I supposed to do in response to that? You were supposed to say, I know that there are trolls trying to get a rise out of us, but the thing is, we're not racist, and it actually is okay to be white, so we're not going to do anything because there's nothing wrong with this statement. That's what they should have done. Instead, they freaked out, uh, you know, kind of exposed themselves to be racist, and red-pilled, like, a good portion of the population. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. I mean, you know what? If you want to keep freaking out about this, Jared, if you want to keep writing these articles, go ahead. But you look you look more and more ridiculous the longer it goes on. Mm-hmm. All I have to say about that. Uh, next thing, Candace Owens in Congress. Uh, there was recently a, I think it was Tuesday, a hearing uh, in the House about the rise of white nationalism. And Candace Owens was invited uh, to speak there mm-hmm. by Republicans. Before we get into her clip, which has kind of been going viral on social media, I, I want to talk a little bit about the tail wagging the dog when it comes to government now. Why is there why is there a congressional hearing about the rise of white nationalism? Like how, I mean, because I know Twitter likes to freak out about it, and I, I expect that, but why is the actual U.S. government like kind of indulging in this? Doesn't really make a, a lot of sense to me. I feel like there are probably more important things they should be worrying about. Uh, but there you go. Uh, Candace begun her opening statement. It was actually really good. It's it's online. If you search it on YouTube, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. She begun her opening statement saying that 
white nationalism is not a huge problem in the country. And she kind of addressed how uh, a lot of places will say that incidents are increasing, but really it's because the data has been skewed by the fact that the definition of hate crime has been broadened. And also uh, reporting agencies have increased, i.e. The, the different boards, organizations who can claim that, yeah, here's a, you know, a official yeah. hate crime. Uh, that's been expanded too. So there's other reasons going on as to why the number's increasing than mm-hmm. just Donald Trump has emboldened racists. And I think Candace made a really good point. And maybe we should all be talking about this a little bit more is that if we actually do want to help black communities, I mean, yeah, fight the white nationalists, but on a more practical level, um, you should, we should be focusing on things like better schools, uh, you know, families, the, the role of fathers in black communities, uh, how prevalent abortion is in, in the black community. Those those are all, I think, having much bigger effects on on the average black person uh, than some scary white nationalists. Not that I excuse the white nationalists, but, you know, some perspective yeah. here. Uh, but the, the clip in question that's been making the rounds is a spicy one. Uh, we have it lined up as an insert. We'll bring it up. He is assuming that black people will not go pursue the full two-hour clip. And he purposefully extracted, he cut off, and you didn't hear the question that was asked of me. He's trying to present as if I was launching a defense of Hitler in Germany, when in fact, the question that was asked of me was pertaining to whether or not I believed that Hitler was a, whether or not I believed in nationalism, and that nationalism was bad. And what I responded to was that I do not believe that we should be characterizing Hitler as a nationalist. He was a homicidal, psychopathic maniac that killed his own people. A nationalist would not kill their own people. That is exactly what I was referring to in the clip, and he purposely wanted to give you a cut-up similar to what they do to Donald Trump to create a different narrative. That was unbelievably dishonest, and he did not allow me to respond to it, which is worrisome and to tell you a lot about where people are today in terms of trying to drum up narratives. I've watched that probably like five times by now. It, it, makes, it makes me happy. And uh, if people are missing some context for that, what is it, a few, a few weeks ago? Uh, may, maybe a little bit longer, Candace Owens was in the middle of some controversy because uh, th- she was at a live event and someone asked her, I think, about nationalism. Yes. And, uh, you know, she she kind of, she tried to explain that the fact that Hitler was a nationalist is not what makes him so evil, and he actually really wasn't. Uh, you know, the fact that he had, like, global intentions and everything is is kind of what made him so bad and the fact that he wanted everybody to be the same which is not the same thing as nationalism um people really jumped on that when that clip came out to try and equate it as her defending hitler um you know i i think you can say there's a fair point to be made that she didn't really express herself all too well or all too clearly when it when it comes to live events though and people speaking yeah. off the cuff i always try to give them you know so some leeway it's hard of course yeah and, l- and let her like expand on that comment if if she wants to exactly right? like, you know. yeah and i think she even did yeah. later on exactly just, that's of course not the clip that was being played around so anyway representative lou who's an elected member of congress uh he played that clip the, and keep in mind like we went through this on social media how ridiculous this was this was mm. debunked but here he is playing this uh you know at a congressional hearing and uh, it's just, it's really funny to me. I don't know. Do you think he actually believes she supported Hitler? Or? I don't, I don't think he cares. I think, I think yeah. it's all, it's all about pragmatism, right? That's if, true. If he can make her look bad, he will. That's true. Um, anyway, so it's just, it's funny to me how when we hear someone give what, like, at, at best you could say it's an ambiguous statement. It's, it's a far cry from a, I don't know, a vote for Hitler. But it, it's weird that when someone hears that statement, their first instinct, and it's from a black person, could be, yeah, you you're, you support Hitler rather than oh she's probably just 
uh, you know, saying something that maybe yeah. isn't coming across very clearly. Um, so Lou has doubled down <laughs> on, on using this clip. People have been roasting him on Twitter. He's not backing down from it. And, uh, you know, I would, I would expect that from some anonymous far left account or some like verified Twitter journalist, but seeing that from a congressman, it, it, it kind of hurts. Kind of hurts. Yeah. It's... He, he looked vastly incompetent there. He also looked like the most nervous man I've ever seen. Yeah. It was like, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I kind of want that to become a meme. Him just s sitting there, like, holding the thing up. Um, hasn't so far. Make it happen, guys. 4chan, get on this. And this is, like, not related to Candace at all, but in that hearing, which, again, it was, like, four hours long, and they also had a Google representative uh, who admitted that for borderline extremist content that even if they're not able to ban it outright, that they they do take measures to ensure it doesn't spread, like removing it from the search and recommendation algorithm. Um, so there's that. Uh, you know what? I, I get called paranoid a lot, but seriously, I think we're at a point now, especially, the, gosh, we have Tommy Robbins, Robinson on later yeah. this episode. Yeah, if you think conservatives are being shadow banned, that's not, that's not paranoia. That's not just... You're being crazy tinfoil hat. Mm. This is actually yeah, what they're admitting to. Yeah, it, no, it's, it's really not. Um, okay, so climate change. Guys, let's, let's, before we get into it, for anyone who maybe isn't familiar, maybe we should talk about what, what we view uh, climate change as. I think it's a, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would agree with that. I like yeah. to consider myself a conservationist. I care about the mm. environment. Um, but at the same time, uh, what I think we're seeing now is that a lot of politicians, especially perhaps those on the left, um, they're not really using environmentalism as a way to save the planet anymore. I think they're using it for politically convenient uh, means of accomplishing other things. Yeah. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, our, our favorite, she, she recently tweeted out something that I, I hope you guys get a kick out of like I do. Um, the far right loves to drum up fear and resistance to immigrants. But have you ever noticed they never talk about what's causing people to flee their homes in the first place? Perhaps because they, sorry, perhaps that's because they'd be forced to confront one major factor fueling global migration, climate change. Um... She's not the first person who has made this link uh, that all of this this migration crisis is happening happening because of climate change. And again, I really want to stress this because I, you know I'm a right winger and people call me a climate change denier all the time, even though I'm not. I care about the environment. I want to have this conversation about how we can live sustainably. But <laughs> but. Saying that, you know, people are now trying to flee their countries to Western countries because of climate change, that's just, you're, yeah. you're using environmentalism as a, as a way to insert your mm -hmm. far left narrative into the political discourse. Right. And she even worded it as one major factor, right? That, yeah. So it's, it's obviously not the only factor, even by her admission. Yeah, but it's so. a major factor. Like, right. Mm, Okay, um, but that that tweet she posted was actually in response to an, another video. Um, we've shortened it for copyright purposes, but if you would like to see the whole thing, you can find it on her Twitter profile. It's still there. Climate change is one of the reasons many of us are forced to leave our homes in search of a safer place to live. In the real world, immigration builds our economies. Wealthy countries are already facing aging populations and seriously taking on climate change will create millions more jobs than there are workers to fill them. The rich getting richer by wrecking the climate and abusing workers. 
We know the world's wealthiest countries have burned most of the carbon that is driving climate change today. Asserting the rights of migrants affected by these storms, floods and fires is a way of paying back our climate debts and refusing to be divided. How about that? There's a, I mean, I seriously, guys, watch, watch the full video. It's about a minute and a half long. There's, there's a lot, lot more of that where that came from. I have, I have, I have things to say to that. Um, so this video pushes a couple things. Number one, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but they kind of snuck in there that capitalists are exploiting poor workers. Yes. Uh, two, that wealthy countries are the worst polluters. And, you know, my favorite, that immigrants have a right, they use that word right, to come to the West uh, because of climate debts, mm. and there'll be an economic boon. So, kind of tackling that um, capitalist exploitation of the proletariat. I, I, I've heard that one before. I yeah, think, I've, right? heard, I've heard that before. I'm not sure if it was from an environmentalist. Kind of seems like that's a different different topic they're, they're tying in there. Guys, I don't want to badmouth all environmentalists. There are a lot of environmentalists out there who are doing good work, you know, scientists working to save the planet. But for these woke environmentalists, especially these politicians, um, environmentalism is not about saving the planet. Environmentalism is about pushing a far-left globalist agenda, okay? If AOC actually cared about climate change, which she should if we're going to die in 12 years. Right. Seems like a pretty mm -hmm. big deal. Uh, she would be talking about things like nuclear power, which I think right now is our best bet for becoming sustainable, lowering emissions, all that good stuff. Not that it's perfect, mm -hmm. but it's the best we got right now. Uh, she'd be talking about things like sustainable fishing, which is a huge thing. We can't, yep. like, once we use... I, those resources, they're not coming back. Um, you know, reducing waste in commercial and consumer packaging, that's something I care a lot about, and it's something that the government doesn't need to intervene on. You know, there have been a lot of private companies who have taken up initiatives to try and reduce their own rate, uh, sorry, own waste, but no, woke environmentalists, they're focusing on immigration and UBI. That's not, that's not a coincidence, okay? So, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to let people call me a climate change denialist just because I don't think we should open our borders to the entirety of the third world. I feel like this conversation has really run away from us. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, the idea that wealthy countries, like, we're, we're the ones that are killing the planet. Okay, for, I mean, climate change is global, I think is a, the idea there. So, uh, immigrants fleeing to our climates, I don't know if that's necessarily safer, but um, wealthy countries are not the worst offenders right now for pollution and waste. Mm -hmm. Um if you look at things like, uh, what you call it? Gosh, sorry, the sickness is really getting to me. Emissions. Uh, places like India and China. Yeah, they're number yeah, one. Yeah, those, those guys are number one. And sure, you know, you can try to claim that they're only number one because we've exported our manufacturing toward them, which I think is a, a, a fair, fair point yeah. to yep. be made. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, it's, it's not exactly the case where you can just, you know, blame the West and, you know, the rest of the world doesn't have any responsibility in trying to help things as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it really comes down to a, a hugely, an argument that I have a huge problem with that stems across all, all of the left's arguments, and that is that uh, intergenerational justice exists, yeah. right? That somehow, because we polluted in the past, and again, we use the term we, but there's not really a we, right? Because I didn't pollute in the 1960s and neither did you right. or, or earlier than that, you know, when the industrial revolution was taken off, that somehow we're responsible for taking care of people that weren't. And the, now that those people are dead too right. people in those countries. So it's, it's just wild to me. And, and I think, you know, it, it does need to be said that right now, places like the U S and Canada, European countries, we are trying 
like our very best to invest in green places, you know, more so than a lot of these polluting countries. Uh, China is actually, they're one of the worst, but they are trying to be better just because their air quality is, they don't have a choice at at this point. Yeah, Uh, yeah, but still, I'm not, I'm not going along for this climate changes the West's bad guy, et cetera, et cetera. It's, we've heard that narrative before. Um, you know, regarding immigration specifically, Bjorn Lomborg from the Copenhagen Consensus, who is one of my favorite environmentalists because he's rational and reasonable. He understands that, yes, uh, pollution is bad, but at the same time, we can't really just torpedo our economies trying to save the planet because that's gonna we're going to end up with a lot more problems in the long run. Um, you know, he, he does work about this. I suggest you follow him if, if you're not familiar with him, but he, he talks about the fact that deaths from climate-related disasters have actually been going down as technology and emergency preparedness has been improving. Does that mean that, you know, climate shouldn't worry about it, we're fine? No, but the idea that, you know, people are coming up from the southern borders, if you're in the U.S., because of climate change, the idea that, uh, you know, Middle Easterners and Northern Africans are coming to Europe because of climate change, if you actually think that, you have a a lot to learn about geopolitics, mm-hmm. right? Because this, I mean, that's just, no. And and the thing is, I get you're, you're doing this because you want to help. But even if we do say, okay, fine, uh, you know, we have a responsibility because of how much we've polluted to help these people, there are still more efficient ways to help them than importing them into the West, Right. right. And uh, Stefan Molyneux, he's done videos about this where he actually compares the cost of resettling, uh, for example, a Syrian refugee in somewhere in the Middle East compared to flying them over to Canada. It, it, there are a lot cheaper ways to help these people, even if we accept that it is our responsibility. Um, but what I thought was funny, so the last thing I'll say about this, about this video, is that they also admit that like demographic replacement is a thing. Yes. Did you catch that? Yeah, I Like did. they, they, oh. Well, they're like a super pro-socialist Canadian group too. They're like, they're they're farther left than any Canadians are, really. I had like, never heard know. of them before. Me neither. But I, I was looking I was looking at them online and they're pretty wild. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, so they, they, they pretty much say that, oh, you know, in addition to the climate change, uh, we're having fewer babies in the West, so we need these migrants to come in. The alt right get called racist for saying that. Yeah. Here these people are saying that openly. Um, but I mean that kind of leads to another issue, even if we were to buy into that, is that you're ignoring the effect of cultural differences, which I think are, are pretty huge. You can't ignore that. And second, when we're talking about the West right now doesn't have like a, a surplus of jobs. <laughs> it's just like we just need immigrants to come in and you know, e- even if we did, we get to a point where our economy is doing really well. I, I think we can't ignore the fact that jobs in the future will be more high-skilled and less low-skilled. In which case, if we do need to import labor, it will be high-skilled immigrants, not low-skilled immigrants. I have a feeling that these people would say that, like, means testing or any kind of point system would be racist, so. But they're all doctors that are coming over. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway, I, I think that's all we have to say uh, about that. Uh, coming right back in a few seconds, we're going to be uh, airing the interview with Tommy Robinson. And if, again, if you're watching this live, stay tuned on the stream because we'll be back to answer your questions. Hey, Tommy, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be seen. <laughs> well, for sure. Um, you know, we're always glad to have you on the channel. We've interviewed you before. We got to go to the the Free Tommy protest when we were in London and you're an 
author, commentator, journalist. You've done a heck of a lot of work uh, commenting on things like Islam and immigration, some things which really aren't talked about all that much these days. If anyone isn't following you for some reason yet, I think tr.news is the best place where they can find you right now. And aside from that, if anyone's watching this on YouTube, your channel on YouTube will be linked in the description. Uh, but people won't be able, able to search you. And uh, I was thinking we could start off this interview talking about why that is. You've essentially all been banned from, from YouTube. Uh, your channel is still up, but people, they, they can't search your videos. I tried going into incognito mode. I searched for your name, your channel specifically, your videos. They don't show up. Uh, you've been banned from Facebook officially, totally gone. I think Snapchat most recently. Why don't you walk us through what happened there? Well, if we, if we start with YouTube, so you're, you're right. You can't find my videos. You can't share them. You can't comment on them. I've been banned. I've been banned. Um, pretty much banned. You have to have the direct link. So right. if I send you the direct link to a video, you'll be able to watch it once you go past the, the it, may, it may be a harmful video. Even if it's a video, even the videos where I've raised money for children with cancer, they come up with all of these explicit warnings now. Now, YouTube made a comment. They, they, they come under immense pressure by politicians. That's where this gets really, really sinister because it is completely political. Tom Watson is the second in command of the Labour Party in the UK. That's the anti-Semitic party, right. the, op the opposition party. He wrote a letter to YouTube demanding that my videos and my channel be deleted and removed. Of course, giving no justification, just using the word hate. YouTube then made a public response saying that none of my videos breach any of their policies. There's also a video online you can watch where you'll see Naz Shah, who's a Muslim Labour MP, who's actually been anti-Semitic herself. She's also made comments about white sexual, white victims of rape gangs saying they need to just shut their mouths for the sake of diversity. This is an MP. So this MP, Yvette Cooper, another Labour MP, all these MPs, there's a video of them grilling the CEO of YouTube. This was about 18 months ago, demanding to know why my videos are still available to be watched. This is the problem where, where we currently face now in Britain, not just in Britain, across the world actually, but private businesses are having immense pressure put on them by political organisations to remove dissident voices. I'm a voice that continues to embarrass the, the British establishment, mm -hmm. to embarrass their political parties for what they've allowed to happen in our country, and to raise awareness about the problems that their utopia world they want to bring in, bring in a, a, and change the culture and identity of our country forever, I talk about it. So I was removed from YouTube. I've been banned. They can call it whatever they want. The only reason why they haven't actually banned me is because they've already said publicly that I've not broke any of their terms or conditions. Facebook have removed me. I had 1.2 million. I was the most, the most interacted with political Facebook page in Britain. I had a political, I had a reach and an interaction that politicians could only dream of. If I went live, I'd have 20,000 people watching me instantly. That would then spread to millions by the next day. As we've seen with the Donald Trump election, even with the Modi election, with elections across the world, the social media has been used. And the establishment and the deep state, if you want to call it that, in America, but the powers that be in Britain are pulling back and taking back control. And that's what they're doing. They're taking back control, and the only way they can do that is by silencing and demonetizing and stopping the opposition's voices. So yeah, I currently sit here, and that's why I said it's good to be seen. 
because I've been completely unpersoned from all social media, even Snapchat, Instagram. I, and the maddest thing is, I've done nothing wrong. That, that they run with these lies. They keep saying that I've promoted violence against Muslims. Show me where. Show me one screenshot that I've done. Because there's so many journalists who dislike me, who follow every, every word I've said on social media. They'd have a screenshot. There'd be some evidence of this. But no, there's not. So, yeah, I am... Um, Unfortunately, this is the path we've gone down now of deplatforming any opposition. And it, and it starts, and people can sit there and ignore it while it happens to someone they don't like that much, but it's coming to them. Right, and I'm glad you mentioned that. They, I think specifically with Facebook, because like you said, YouTube, they've come out and said that you haven't done anything that's violated their terms of service. But I was reading when I first heard that you had gotten banned from Facebook, and Facebook is, like you said, claiming that you actually are not just spreading hate speech, whatever that may mean, that nebulous term, but they're accusing you of, I think it's uh, calls to, quote, make war against Muslims. And not only that, that's from their official statement, but there's a rumor going around on, on some of the, I guess, more left-leaning blogs that you, not only that, but you encouraged the beheading of Muslims. Uh, no screenshots, of course, but that's what people are, are saying saying about you. As someone who, you know, essentially makes their... Their, their life, their living, their career, what they're passionate about, trying to engage in the political discourse. How does that make you feel, the fact that people are accusing you of trying to behead people? Well, I have no outlet to even deny it. I have no outlet to even count it. For years, whenever anyone would make a derogatory comment or a lie, specifically a lie, politicians would do it all the time on Twitter. I'd go, I'd quote, tweet their tweet, and I'd put the truth, and I'd give evidence of where to find it. Once they removed me from there, now if you search Twitter, it's just lots of people telling lots of lies. And there's no outlet for me to counter it. With the lies on Facebook about, about me calling for the beheading of people, we have strict laws in this country yeah, right. that prohibit incitement to violence, incitement to racial hatred, incitement to religious hatred. I've never been arrested or tried under any of these laws. I've never breached any of those laws. British establishment who who would lock, who have locked me up and imprisoned me for simply reporting, they would be smashing down my door if I said one thing like that. I I never. It's, it's quite contradictory. I think that the, the quotes that they're they're quoting are actually reversed from the certain scripture within the Quran. But yeah, I have no platform, and that's what's supposed to happen. This is this is supposed to happen. This this lie is supposed to be spread around the world which absolutely slanders me and paints a very different picture of who I am from the reality of who I am and especially of what I believe in. I, I galvanised so much support because people could see and hear what I was saying. If I was sat calling for violence, I wouldn't have support. I, the majority of the public despise that sort of view. I, I'm along with them on it. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's actually it's frustrating, of course, it's then just trying to find other ways and make other plans, which is what I'm currently doing. Because, And it, it's sad to see that no one stands up for you when this is going on. You can be deplatformed from absolutely everywhere. And as I said, we have 650 MPs in my country and all of them are celebrating. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen one person com comment on, on how this is dangerous for free speech. Because quite frankly, in America, while you should keep, grab hold of that free speech and defend it, we've given it away and most of us don't even value it. And in fact, the, our leaders certainly don't. They don't want free speech. They want a dictatorship. Yeah, and I they think it, I think it's important that you 
you do emphasize that this isn't just about who you are as a person. These people are silencing you for your ideas. And you're not the first person in the, I guess, essentially big tech gulag that we've had on this channel. Uh, someone else we've interviewed is Gavin McInnes, who's been similarly deplatformed. And what he's actually doing now is he's trying to take legal action against these media outlets that are slandering him. We're going to go into a documentary you recently released about the BBC in, in a few minutes. But have you considered doing anything like that for the lies that are being spread about you, the ones that could be proven to be verifiably false, like the fact that you called supposedly for the beheading of people. I have. I've been speaking with uh, friends in America. Actually. I've been speaking with Middle East Forum, who I know are very staunch on their defense of whether it, whether they agree with your views wholeheartedly, but their defense of free speech and the fact that you should be allowed to speak. I've been speaking with them and looking at these options. The problem is in the UK, uh, I recently took Cambridgeshire Police to court. Now, there was a video. You, you have to watch this video. Okay. I was out with my children, I was out with my family. I was in the city of Cambridge. And police come into the restaurant I was in and said, you need to leave the city now. So I haven't done anything wrong. They said, we believe that if, you're, if you stay here, your presence will provoke a violent reaction from people. So you have to leave the city now or we're going to arrest you. And there was this, there was this discussion in front with the police. I then walk outside, I get my, my, I'm with my three young children and my friends and their, two young, and their, their young children. And the police then follow us, videoing us with cameras, as my children cry hysterically and are clearly terrified on camera of what the police are doing. I took the police to court. I, I, it cost me £10,000 to take them to court. I took them to court. The, the police from Luton, my hometown, come to court and said, it shouldn't have happened. We, he's no problem. This should never have happened. The judge still sided and said that what they did was reasonable and necessary. So we live in a country where, he, and if you watch this video, if you put in, well, God, you can't anymore because it's on my YouTube channel. But it was under Tommy Robinson uh, Kids. You just, that's all you had to put in. And you'll see a video where quite clearly we were harassed. Quite clearly the police accepted in court. I'd done nothing at all wrong. I was out minding my own business with my family. But yet the court sided with the police, which they will do. They moved my court case from one city to another city the day before. I then got before a judge who didn't just side with them. At the end of that case, she charged me all the court costs, which was £38,000. Now, if you watch this video, you will be absolutely gobsmacked. And so with the public. This video went viral, millions of views. Even people who don't like me made comments saying how wrong this is. How can this happen in a free society? And that's the real wake-up call. We don't live in a free society. We don't, we, you, you're, if you're sitting in America and you have freedom of speech, you have all, you have, you have all your freedoms. You need to fight for them, because like that, look at, look at the country. I'm from Britain. I'm from the home of the Magna Carta. It's gone. It's gone. Free speech is gone. We live in a police state. We live in a post-free speech era. You'll be prosecuted for your thoughts. And, and, and that's currently where we're at. So for me, when I look at these court cases, I, I have another case coming up now for the same thing. You, you said you went to the Free Tommy rally. Um, they they recharged re, re me with the same offence. I've already spent nearly three months on solitary confinement for mm -hmm. the same offence, which was for, for speaking and giving facts that were already in the public domain. I, I face, I'm going to face prison again on the 3rd of May for that. So, And as, I mean, I think most reasonable people, if they see a father and his young children being harassed by the police for just sitting around doing nothing, they realize that that's insane. You're, you're an authoritarian extremist, and that should be wrong. But what I notice so often about the people who advocate for your depersoning, your deplatforming, is that in their minds, they're doing it to protect people because you are 
such a, such a, your views are so dangerous and so hateful that they have to stop you before they spread. And I, I saw a lot of this kind of reasoning going on around on social media, especially after the Christchurch shooting. Um, and I know, unfortunately, you are one of the people who, along with other figures, not even necessarily on the right, but people like uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, Ben Shapiro, and Candace Owens, uh, who have been blamed for spreading I Islamophobia. Uh, What's your response to that specifically, the idea that you were in any way connected uh, with, with the Christchurch shooting that happened in New Zealand? When they speak about my views being dangerous, I think we should make it very clear what my views are as well. Very clear what my views are. So the Christchurch shooting was a gentleman. It's very confusing, actually, because he spent time in Pakistan, in Turkey. He went to a lot of the ISIS strongholds, which is quite, quite strange. But he, um, he was a white supremacist. I despise white supremacists. I see Nazism and Islamism as opposite sides of the same coin, okay? Mm -hmm. Both dangerous, both need confronting, both need... With Nazism or with racism, you can educate against it. It's just education. You can educate against it. People need to understand where I'm from. I'm from Luton Town, which is one of the most diverse and multicultural towns in Europe, okay? The majority of the people I love and my friends are not white, okay? The people I aspired and I looked up to as I grew up, the people I, I wanted to be like were not white. Um, so I've never understood white supremacy. I, where, the, the town I'm from, white English people are a minority. And I say, I've always said this, that when we hear leaders talk, whether it be Angela Merkel says that uh, multiculturalism fails, David Cameron, multiculturalism fails. I always say that's, what, what, what you're, what, that's a lie for me. What's failed is Islam. Because in my town, all the other cultures, all the other religions, everyone else, we get on pretty well. Obviously there's differences and there's problems in, in every community. But on, on, in, in all, we go on pretty well. So my view, so when I had a journalist trying to attack me over the Christchurch, um, over the Christchurch terrorism. At which point I said, have you read his manifesto? Because his manifesto doesn't mention me once. Right. In fact, it, his manifesto tells you why he done it. It's just like Brevik's manifesto told you why he's done it. It's just like Darren Osborne, the terrorist in, who drove a van into the Finsbury Park Mosque. In his, in his letter that he wrote, he told you why he done it. Now, you want to take the reasons he done it and you want to change it and put it onto the people who are trying to discuss these issues. In fact, you're doing exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted guns taken away, free speech taken away. He wanted to radicalize a generation. That's what they wanted to do. And you're actually implementing. So on the Christchurch attack, um, on the monster that done it, and I, I, have, I have continually for 10 years, the far right, and we get called the far right, but the real far right, who are very small in number, very ineffective, okay, in the UK. They hate me. I'm known as a Zionist shill, okay, by them, because I don't hate Jews, okay? I'm known as a race traitor because I love non-white people. So the reality is very far. I have never called for violence. In fact, I've always said that we need, and in fact, Brevik, for example, in his manifesto, he said that the English Defence League are naive fools. They will condemn acts of violence. This is what he said, yeah? Uh, um, they believe there's a democratic solution and answer to this problem, which he didn't, okay? But yet, they tried to throw Brevik out. Then they tried to throw Darren Osborne out. Even though none of it is mentioned by us, they actually tried to blame me in this country for the Darren Osborne attack. Darren Osborne attacked on a day where there was a terrorist rally, flying terrorist flags. He said why he went to do it. Because we'd had four consecutive te terrorist attacks in our country. One of them, 26 children were bombed and blown up. And then weeks after that, we have a rally through our capital city, supported by our mayor of London, 
where they're flying terrorist organisation flags. And he was a member of the British public when he committed a, 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 an atrocious attack to, uh, act of violence. That's not my fault. I will never, I will never, and just as I said to the reporter who tried to throw Christchurch on me, I'm not going to stop telling the truth because of a deranged individual. I'm not going to stop telling the truth. I have no shame in telling the truth. In fact, I want to protect Muslims. I, 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 some of the best people I met through growing up were Muslim. But they are naive to the agenda of Islam. They are naive to the path we will go down with the more Islam. And um, many of them, many, many Muslims, if I go to a local betting shop in my hometown, there's many Muslims in there. Many of them aren't following the scripture to the word. My problem is the scripture, it's the book, it's the prophet or the false prophet. Um, and it's the hatred and the violence that's taught through. So, yeah, with Christchurch, just like most other innocent people, they use that. And it's disgusting, actually, and quite despicable the way it's used. Whenever there's attack, like, the way it's used to just silence an attack and try and cause more, um, more censorship of ideas. If my ideas are that bad, if my views are that bad, I'm yet to be defeated in any debate I see by anybody on these issues because I have truth on my side. If my ideas are that bad, debate me. I'll debate anyone, anywhere, in any place. And I always say this. But because of each time I've been on the mainstream media in Britain, whether it be Newsnight or the biggest shows, because I come off with pretty good support and people hear the truth of what I'm saying, that doesn't fit into the narrative and agenda that they have, which is why censorship is their only solution. Well, that, that willingness to debate is not something that we see from establishment media or establishment politicians anymore. In fact, even like you mentioned, the actual white supremacists who they claim to hate, they don't, they don't even seem willing to tackle what they're actually saying. I think it's a lot easier for them to just blame it on, honestly, in my opinion, level-headed people uh, like yourself. But that, that unwillingness to engage in genuine and honest debate is something that you, you recently took on. Uh, head first on on your channel and it's it's on it's on your website which again will be linked in, in the description but you you released a documentary called a panadrama and uh, it's it's over an hour long it's free to watch if anyone hasn't seen it yet um you and the bbc have an interesting relationship right now the bbc for people who don't know that are watching maybe from the states or canada it's the publicly funded uh, broadcasting channel in the uk um how does it feel to essentially have your own government's media wing uh, try to blackmail former employees into releasing yeah, false Absolutely. statements about yourself. Well, let, let's publicly funded, forced publicly funded. Right. You, they actually put you in prison if you don't pay your license fee for the BBC. Now, people are fed up of that. People are fed up of paying for biased broadcasting. Um, what I found out, and I was terrified from it, I found out that the BBC were working on a documentary with the working title, Tommy Takedown. This was after, basically, when I went to prison, I was put in prison for, and it was in the court of law, the highest court in the land, found that it was completely unlawful, unjust, and um, no procedures were followed. So I was released on an appeal. Now, when I went to prison, 600,000 people signed a petition for my release. You said you, you, you saw the demonstrations where right. up to 30,000 people marched. In one four-week period, 172 million people read my tweets. 69 people, million people watched my videos just on Facebook. That installs fear into the establishment who want people to think the way they want, who want to use the media as a weapon. The media is currently used and weaponized to make the public think a certain way, to think certain ways about people, about organizations, about groups, about countries, about everything. And we have, and, and our, our politicians talk about 
Russia and about their media. I think the BBC's worse. What they do is worse. And so I found out, and it had come very quick and very clear, that the BBC <coughs> have been working with extremist organisations called Hope Not Hate, who are like a George Soros-funded NGO, who constantly's job is to constantly attack anyone who talks out against open borders or immigration. Anyone. They go after them. They find out where they work. They find out who their family are. They take pictures of them. They harass them. They publicise them. They contact their work. They make them lose their jobs. This is what they do. They were working with the BBC, which straight away for me was the BBC is supposed to be impartial. This isn't impartial. They're working with an extremist organisation who are named by Swedish army intelligence as being far left hatred groups. And you're working with them in order to bring me down. I then found out that they weren't just working with them. I, I, I sent a girl. I sent. I sent a girl wearing undercover cameras into Panorama to to meet the leader and the face of Panorama. His name's John Sweeney. He's the main face. I sent her in, and what I found was that they were telling her what to say about me in an interview. Where's your journalist integrity in that? Yeah, telling her what they want her to say and what they need her to say. And if she says these things, they will all go in the program. I then found out that hope not hate were being used to blackmail former employees of mine in order to give negative reviews on TV about me, in order to lie about me. Not just blackmailing them, they actually sexually assaulted one of them when you hear the when you hear the undercover recording. So I went undercover. So Panorama are famous for going undercover. So I went undercover on Panorama to show and prove to the British public, which I managed to do in a really hard-hitting documentary. In fact, I'd say it's one of the most investigative journalist documentaries there's ever been in this country against the BBC. And what it showed was the BBC are not impartial, that they lied. The most alarming thing of all was that the young girl who used to work for me had been offered £5,000 by Hope Not Hate. She'd been offered to do a front-page news story, make it, creating, making me like Harvey Weinstein to work for Then, so I had that allegation which terrified me. I'm a family man, I've got three children. I was petrified of what school would be like for my children going into school and things like this. That's when I went undercover. I, I sent the girl undercover. What I had John Sweeney, John Sweeney is the main face of Panorama. I had him on camera <coughs> talking to this girl about an innocent dispute me and the girl had about a Muslim speaker at a demonstration. And, he, and she says I was swearing. And then she said, yeah, I, I was swearing back at him and I was going really mad. He says, don't worry, we can clip that. We can edit that. Yeah? Then he says, do you know what I can do with this? And he sits there laughing. I'm going to make this into a sexual thing against Tommy Robinson. Now, this is not journalism. This is state-sponsored terrorism against individuals. They wanted to absolutely destroy my name, to break me, to destroy my family. Because what? Because I embarrass them? Because the public listen to me? When I talk, people listen? That's reality of what it is. And the mainstream media, the monopoly that they've had, the monopoly the establishment have had, the governments have had, the media have had, all working and coordinating together. The monopoly Silicon Valley have had, all of them, in deciding how people think. Well, we took that from them, and people are now listening. So what was their answer? I released this documentary, Panodrama. I screened it on a 50-foot screen outside BBC's offices to a crowd of approximately 10,000. I put it on Facebook. Within 24 hours, it had over one and a half million views. Within 24 hours, that's when I was then completely removed from Facebook, Instagram. I was completely shut down within 24 hours. Now, not a conspiracy theorist, but make your own mind up on that one, yeah? I was removed, and that's when all the lies come out about me wanting to behead people, 
and I was completely censored. And it's at that point that the Conservative Party and the Labour Party began harassing and contacting YouTube, demanding I was removed from there. Now, the video had had 1.6 million views, I believe, on YouTube. You won't find that now. You'll struggle to find it. You go on tr.news, you'll find the link. We're now working. We, I wasn't. I, I didn't realise any of this would happen, so I'm sort of like playing catch up with building platforms. Um, but yeah, this is that's the that's the history of Panadrama. <coughs> it's a fabulous documentary for any of you who want to watch it and share it. Mm -hmm. um, it really exposes Donald Trump when Donald Trump spoke about the BBC fake news. This proves it. This proves it. Right, and the thing is, someone who's watching this interview who hasn't seen the documentary yet, they, their inclination might be to say, this sounds ridiculous, there's no way that someone who works for the BBC would do something like that. But I think people need to understand that you have this on, on tape. You have this gentleman on tape trying to, I guess, accuse you or making up Weinstein allegations. Uh, again, I, if anyone hasn't seen it, I encourage you to watch it. Um, but what, what I also thought was di deliciously ironic is that the journalist, in, I mean, I use that term loosely, journalist, right? But uh, Tom Sweeney, you have him on tape using things like, what, what is it? Uh, the phrase scumbag Irish, I think it was. Uh, he, he spoke about my, my family being from scumbag Irish background. Scumbag right. because they're poor. Okay, this, this is the classism and the elitism that was there. And it was gold because I, I had all this footage on him. And then Pan they think the BBC fought and they bought all of their executive producers. They thought they were there and they were going to be grilling me. But I'd set up a projector screen behind me. So as I sat down, the first thing I asked him was, would you ever tell anyone what to say about me in an interview, John? He said, no. I pressed play. And there he is, telling someone what to say. I then said to him, tell me about homophobia, John. Because if they had one single word on me, they'd have destroyed me with it. I had him on camera calling people bloody woofters, calling a gay, talking about a gay person. In fact, he was quite obsessed with gays, with the comments he continually made. But then he called him a bloody woofter. And woofter in Britain is Cockney rhyming slang for poofter, which unfortunately is when your anus expands and you have all these problems with it. This is the derogatory, one of the most derogatory terms you could use. That's what he used. He was racist in, in his commentary. Um, when we had him on camera, he was committing expensive scandals. I had so much against him that every person, any person who makes a comment in the BBC that's in any way like this would lose their job. But guess what? John Sweeney's still in work. John, he didn't lose his job. When you watch, when anyone who's about to watch this documentary, when you watch it, you'll be gobsmacked. This man... And not just his man still in work, <clears throat> but they're still doing the panorama, the panorama documentary on me. They're still operating now. Just last week, they were contacting people, still interviewing them about. Me. So, but the best thing about it is, is that everyone, they've been exposed, completely exposed. Their lies, their manipulation, their editing, the way he says clearly on camera, we'll cut that, we'll edit that, to paint a very different picture to what was being said and what happened. Um, it was a great moment to expose the mainstream media for everyone to see in such an enjoyable way. And it, but it could have been very different. That's what I keep saying. Imagine I didn't do what I did. Imagine I didn't get the footage I did. There would have been a documentary that had gone out that would have made some absolutely horrendous claims against me. That would have destroyed my home life, my family life, my life, my life and my children and my babies because um, of what they would have been led to believe about me, which was all false. And the trust now in British media, I don't know if you're aware, but... There was a European Union survey done across the whole of Europe. And the British public have the least trust in media of any European country. Not the ex-communist countries. Britain. The people no longer believe them. They know they're lying. They, we know, as a British public, we're being manipulated. You're lying to us. 
just like Donald Trump has said against the BBC, he called them fake news. Well, my documentary categorically proved it. And that's why, that is the reason why I've been censored and unpersoned from absolutely everywhere. So for the people who are watching this and who are outraged and want to support you, but also fight back against the BBC, what can they do to take action against this? Aside from just being outraged and, of course, sharing the videos, how can, how can they be part of something that can change the system right now? All I'd say is that for so long, I always say, it's not me. I'm not the media. You're the media. Every one of you watching this, you are the media. That's what you have to realize. The power's in your hands. It's not in their hands anymore. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you know if you go on Facebook and write, write the name Tommy Robinson or just put a picture of me, just a picture, you'll get a community guideline strike and you'll get warned. And you, they will remove your page. Just if, even if you just share it, if I stand and have a picture taken with you and we have our photo taken together and we upload it onto Facebook, it gets removed. This is a level of censorship that no one's ever seen. You can I mean, it's, it's literally what Stalin used to do. He's, they're just erasing your personhood. You, you can upload a picture of Hitler. It doesn't get removed. Upload a picture of Bin Laden. It doesn't get removed. Upload one of Tommy Robinson. It gets removed. <laughs> Amazon, in the same week, Amazon removed my book. I have a book, Muhammad's Quran, Why Muslims Killed for Islam. It is taking the Quran. It's putting it in chronological order, date order of how it was said, because abrogation within Islam, within the Quran, abrogation, what Muhammad said later, supersedes what he said earlier which is why it's so important to understand it in its right context, the book. Because the peaceful verses are now irrelevant. They're at the start. They're superseded by the violent verses. And we put little numbers after each verse to so you can go backwards and forwards to see which verse supersedes which. We also give a 10,000-word a 10, introduction, which shows that throughout our entire history, in Britain and America, and in, in the West in general, our leaders educated the public on Islam. It was a, daily, a, a, a violent fascist like fascist ideology. <laughs> Not there was a religion of peace. In fact, the term religion of peace only come up since George W. Bush threw it on the public after September 11th. Up until this, our, our, our clergy, our the people who educated us, all of them were aware, aware and, and knew what Islam was. There was no interpretation of Islam or this different interpretation. It was just, this is Islam. And that's been completely changed, I say, since the formation of the United Nations. And we wrote a book on that. It's been for sale for two years on Amazon. It got removed just after Panadrama as well. So you can go on Amazon and you can buy Mein Kampf. You can buy Hitler's book. You cannot buy Tommy Robinson's. So I sit here quite happy knowing that this little short Englishman from Luton Town caused so much problems for their agenda, the globalist network, that they felt the need to completely unpersonal. And, um, and, and essentially now what I'm planning now is I have TR.news, it's in its early stages. I want to build a studio. I want to have my own show. I think the equivalent of a studio set similar to what Infowars has in America, I want that for Britain. I know people are crying out to hear an alternative voice, to hear the truth, to hear media without all the, without all the nonsense, without the political correctness, just telling you this is what's happening, this is who's saying, all, all of the stories that the public care about, all the stories that affect the, 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 little, the little people, like you watching it, the little people that they care nothing for. What we're currently witnessing now in, in the UK is the end of democracy with Brexit. It is now, and this will last for generations, the trust in the political system is going to be gone this Friday. The trust will be gone. They don't want us to leave. They won't want us to leave. The European Union is a dictatorship that wants to destroy anyone who goes against it. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so if, 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 I'd say to people, you are the media. 
It's you that need to go home and talk to your families. It's you that need to talk to your friends. It's you that need to share the videos, share the articles. You need to spread it far and wide and not being embarrassed and ashamed to do so. Forget the people, because I know so many people when they share articles or share videos, some of their friends are distasteful. Those friends need waking up. Don't feel, don't feel guilty about doing it. You need to wake them up. You need to wake them up to, to currently what's happening in this world and the, and the attack on the attack on art, especially in Britain, but the attack in Europe on Western civilization, our culture, our identity. It literally is being, it's under attack. And right. the minute you, anyone wants to talk about it, it's called a extremist. And that's, and that's what really boggles the mind. I mean, you've racked up millions and millions of views with essentially every major outlet and publication and government trying to silence you. That kind of, I, I'm wondering what would happen if they were actually not even promoting your message, but letting it spread the way other news spreads organically, right? So, I mean, with the views you've gotten, I think it really goes to show how much your supporters are invested in sharing your message because they know it's not going to be heard any other way. But uh, Tommy Robinson, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, don't forget, you can go to tr.news to keep up with what he's doing. And thank you so much again for joining us. We wish you the best. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. So that's it for the show for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And if you are watching this live, then be sure to stay on this stream because we're going to be back in a few seconds with some exclusive Q&A. But for everyone else, we'll see you next time. Bye.